Headliner Radio, the creative voice. We're with Alexis Taylor here uh, of Hot Chip. Um, Alexis, how are you today? I'm not too bad, thank you. Good, good. Have you been keeping busy during the uh, the current lockdown? Um, yeah, I have been keeping busy. Um, I've been spending my time either helping my daughter with schoolwork at home um, or I've been going on really long walks. Um, I'm probably not really allowed to say that, am I? It meant to be an hour maximum. <laughs> um, They're just slow ones. They, yeah, yeah. they feel they feel very long. Right, okay. Um, but, 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 but they must be just per- perfectly timed to be an hour long. Absolutely. Um, uh, and I've been doing that every day and I've been I've been writing songs at home and, and recording at home and I've also been kind of covering other people's songs and putting those on Instagram um, most days, not every single day. Mm. Um, so I have been busy with those things and um, getting outside, even if you have to keep distance from people, has been the thing that's kept me most sane, really. Um, just to the weather's been nice and just to actually walk to places um, that aren't right in the vicinity that I live in and just sort of see, I don't know, see nature a little bit and just to sort of feel alive mm. by walking around. That's, that's been very important for me. Um, making music has been really nice too, but I feel a little bit like I would like to be recording with other people yeah. So I have actually I have actually begun doing that. I've sent some things to other people. Um it's nice being able to record on your own and it's it's good to remember that you can do that. I've I've made three albums before that were just me on my own, but for some reason these days I tend to enjoy collaboration a bit more. So that's a little bit more challenging when you can't go into recording studios. Um but you know, still can't really complain given that I seem to be healthy which is the most important thing, and, and those around me are as well. So officially um, and strictly, um, as we were sort of easing into this period of time and people were beginning to to think about whether they should be social distancing and so on, I, I was I was getting some pleasure from playing tennis uh, with somebody, and then, then I thought, well, I probably should stop doing that, even if we're on different sides of the, the net. Um, even if we're distant, mm. maybe we shouldn't really be doing that. And so then I started to play basketball on my own, just shooting hoops. And then one day came back to the park and, and all of the equipment had been fenced off. Um, so it's been quite a kind of gradual decline in terms of what, what you're able to do, even if you're trying to do things alone. Going into supermarkets, it seems to me that there's good rules in place as you are about to enter the shop for distancing. And then as soon as you're inside, people are not really <laughs> keeping their distance. It's quite, quite kind of mad, maddening. <laughs> that, that is very true. I noticed that. And you I get, laugh. I, get, I, I don't mean to laugh about it, but you're right. You, everyone listens outside. I was outside Tesco's and we were putting boxes of like, there were like these nine boxes on the floor that they, that they'd sort of outlined. And it was very yeah. good. They were very good. They were t- explaining exactly what's happened. Yep. 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 Go inside. Not chaos, but certainly not one way like they. So I think they're trying, but like you say, there's only so much. It's like telling somebody you don't touch that button; they're going to go and hit it. Yeah. You know, I mean, we should take that obviously a lot more seriously than I'm just making out here. But it, it is still very difficult to control. I agree. I'd imagine you've been creating with the with the mindset with that kind of mindset as well, which might make you make you sort of jot ideas down or make or, or guitar or keys, you know, differently. I don't know. Are you, are you finding your headspace is odd or, or stranger? Are the, is the stuff that's coming out a little bit different, or are you just using those experiences and observations uh, just as you normally would in music? Well, I think the first thing to say about that is um, quite a lot of lyrical ideas came to me initially when we began this period of, of isolation and social distancing. And I think everything seemed to be preoccupied with that subject. And I, I felt I felt quite uninterested in just writing about the obvious thing that we're all experiencing, uh, unless I could find a, an interesting angle on it. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like suddenly 
if we're not careful, everybody will be making the same music, the set with the same theme. If you see what I mean, of course, of course they wouldn't. But that was my kind of critical part of my my brain kicking in, saying, mm. um, "Let's not just focus on what everybody's focusing on." Let, you know, I suppose the first example of that for me was I I recorded a snippet of the John Lennon song "Isolation" and put that on Instagram. I love that song. Yeah, me too. And before I knew it, loads of people were actually responding to it and recording the next verse or the, the or then the person after them, the next verse. It became a kind of chain and that was that was really interesting. Um and also people who didn't know that song and didn't know what I was singing just started writing their own lyrics and melodies and and sort of continuing a, a song that that I suppose they thought we were all kind of writing together, which was quite quite nice and strange thing to to see happening. But yeah. very quickly, you feel like lots of people are using social media all the time in this in this period. I suppose I felt like everyone was going to be writing about isolation or thinking about it or coming at it from a similar angle. So I wanted to just sort of swerve away from that a little bit and let it let it all sink in um but maybe not focus on it so explicitly um and then another issue i was having was just trying to write trying to write things which fit with a musical mood that existed before this began this mm. period of time began and realizing that it was quite hard to come up with any <laughs> positive <laughs> sort of disco-y lyrics for like a disco track I'd been working on with Hot Chip. You know, quite hard to get into the mindset of anything other than this this uh, quite um, self-reflective um, um, mode that I seem to be falling into. So that that was that was what, what I've experienced more than anything is that yeah. trying not to write explicitly about the same subject that most people will be focusing on on the one hand and then also trying to step outside of that and realizing even if you even if you don't want to do that it's actually quite hard to sound upbeat or to fit with a, a mood that was something you'd begun before this because everything seems a bit futile or a bit pointless sometimes mm. and I, I don't mean that to sound as sort of depressing as it does it's more that sometimes it doesn't feel like the right time to be writing sort of songs about escape escape or, or frivolous things or yeah. or just pleasure or you know no um, so I, I, so I totally understand that's, yeah that's what's been going on um in my head but then i have been writing new things which don't really which don't really feel like they're to do with um the subject matter of you know the virus or lockdown or or Ill, or illness or isolation but they are the product the product of a period of being more on your own, I suppose. So they're, they're they're written because spending a bit more time in my music studio at home and with the instruments around me there. So they're coming they're coming into being because of what's happening, but they're not about that. So that's a long answer to your question. No, it's um, good. It's good. It's a great answer, and it's got me. It, it's put me nicely in to ask to know what to talk to you about next because th- that's interesting. How you've looked at your creative process and what you should and shouldn't do, or what you feel you should and shouldn't do, and maybe what you're naturally doing and not doing. Um, that's yeah. interesting. Really interesting. And also, I mean, I, I, I've just had to Google this because I wasn't sure how many years, and I thought it was about this, but I can't quite believe it that Hot Chip has been twenty years this year. Yeah. It, wow. Everyone has sort of. Um, yeah, everyone's referred to it as 20 years. It's actually a little bit longer. Because Is it? Right. We, we began, I don't mean that in a kind of correcting you way. It's more that no, that's we, fine. We, Please we, correct we, away. <laughs> it's more that we began, we began at school making music under the name Hot Chip towards the end of secondary school. And that was before we released anything. So we've actually kind of been doing it probably 22, 23 years or something like right, that. Okay. I don't really know. Yeah. But, but yeah, it did, it did, um, it did surprise me to think of it in those terms, how long we've been at it for. Um, and, and it's a nice feeling that we've, we've been able to keep it going for that long and, and that people have 
luckily supported what we do through that. Through yeah, that time. yeah, because it started. I mean, from what I understand, with uh, you and Joe Goddard, essentially, you know, when you were at school, uh, it was in Putney, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. And um, and this like a bedroom recording project, whatever you want to call it. It was the two of you making music. Like a lot of these, it's the same thing. I, I had a chat with a couple of the guys out of Rudimental fairly recently, and Kezi and Labyrinth uh, we were at school together. Labyrinth, obviously, an artist in his own right. They would make beats on the bus. So the, you know, the people that really want to do well in this business do tend to start very early on some level, don't they? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I haven't really um, met that many musicians that have started later but there, mm. there must be must be plenty but yeah we we began out of a an interest in writing songs and playing music sort of you know learning to do that for ourselves mm. but but having just sort of left teenage years where you you've been discovering other people's music and that's that's a massive part of your your musical background um so that shift from being just a fan and going to gigs all the time to trying to do it yourself. Um, so I suppose that's why it starts often at a young age because you're you're growing up with with friends and sharing experiences of, of gigs to go to or or um, listening to records or tapes and things back then, yeah. CDs and tapes and um, having that enthusiasm for what you hear in other people's music, but but in our case, deciding write our own stuff rather than just being fans of music but but yeah i, I think uh, a friendship where you share that love of music is an important reason for a band to to begin often oh absolutely i think so and and, it's, and it must have been quite a journey you know uh, um you know staying together for a long time is 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 not easy in a band um uh, you know you've got to be creative you've got to keep moving with the with the years i guess and keep remaining relevant and you certainly have done that but do you think um that the sound i mean is it still you know because obviously it's it's keyboard synths it's it's alternative it's it's electronic it's got so many it's very melodic i really like some of the stuff from the new record um from last year which i'm going to play as well but i i do you think you've evolved or do you think you've just always stuck to your core values as as what hot chip should be about well i think we have changed and evolved quite a bit over the years um i think we've we've stuck to a passion for different kinds of dance music and yeah. focusing on that but coming at it from a slightly different angle than than sort of classic house music i suppose um it's a bit more song based and song led and lyr- lyrical than some dance music is you know it's not as minimal as a kind of classic house tune would be in terms of how how little vocals might feature in some of those things. That you know, it's just a lot more kind of wordy and and song song based than some dance music, but it's very much influenced by dance music, and it's and it, that has always been there from the beginning. So that stayed constant. This combination of the the kind of l- lyrical, slightly melancholic, or um, sort of uh, self-reflective as I said earlier mm. lyrical part of it in combination with music which should hopefully get people moving and dancing yeah um, whilst whilst that has remained a constant I suppose the production has changed depending on what we're trying to do what we what sounds we're interested by um, different ways of layering things together I think there's often been uh, a lot of important an important element is the percussion in hot chip music. I mm. think that Joe, as a producer, has often made his own loops from handheld percussion, tambourine or maracas or shakers or more kind of exotic percussion instruments that we've picked up on our travels and recorded those and then put them in combination with quite electronic um, drum machine patterns and that that's stayed there as a constant throughout the music as the kind of backbone of it I think there's a funkiness in the way that the the um, the rhythms kind of cross over with each other from mm-hmm. something live acoustic and recorded with a microphone in combination with something programmed yeah. um, 
So that's a sort of essential part of it. And the bass lines are very important too, I think, for the groove of the music. And um, we've always played parts of it by hand. That's often stuff I would do, um, playing keyboard parts or yeah. or guitar parts, and, and the same with Al. Um, and then combine that with, with programmed elements. So that, that stayed throughout. But I think the sound has developed because we've become interested in disco or house or garage or mm. reggae or different things through the years and allowed those things to to kind of be obvious in the in the music um so that's probably why it hasn't stayed exactly the same and we also listen to lots of music all the time and are influenced by new records and older records and i think try to put things together in a way that it, that show you some of that that influence yeah, um, yeah and if you keep listening to new music and to, if you keep getting turned on by records that are new to you then hopefully you're sort of pushing yourself forward naturally without it being too contrived to sound very very original and unique if that makes sense it does so just by having just by having a wide range of influences but also wanting to it, it was very important when we began this word or, original. I remember it yeah. coming up a lot and, <laughs> and we didn't want to sound like other bands. And so we tried our best to do our own thing. And I, I think that that was very important. I, I'm not always sure whether we achieve that, you know, on every single release as much as we might have once tried to. I think sometimes that we're so in love with our, with, with certain genres of music that you can sound like you're um, telling people about classic disco or classic house or whatever it might be but I still I still think that the combination of the voices in Hot Chip and the way that we put things together with the music means that it doesn't really just sound like things you've heard before at least that's why I, I hope anyway. Well, I, I think that's really well explained. And I'm just going to play a little bit of, obviously, one of the classic tracks for you that, that got you going. Well, I say you was, I think, third album still, but ready for the floor. Um, I'm just going to play a little bit of this and talk to you a little bit about that from what it brings back memory-wise. Uh, hopefully you don't think, oh, no, not that one again. But, um, <laughs> but And then I'd like to play a few clips from the new record, which I just had a good, I had a flick through a good five or six of those. Well, most of them, but I, I listened to a couple of minutes of about five or six of them. And I really, I love the production of your new stuff. And I love what you're doing with vocals. And, you, and I can hear evolution, absolutely. Um, so let, let's hear a little bit of um, of this, and then we'll be right back to you, mate. Do it, 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 do it now. Say it, say it, say it, say it, say it, say it, say it now. thinking that it was Jonathan Ross that uh, that you played this live on there all those years ago? We did play it on, on his programme, yeah. That's right, yeah. And did that give a bit of a... Um, uh, that must have given you a bit more of a kick. I know that you're already quite... Well, very established, but that record was one that did really... It, not necessarily broke you, but it gave you a real... The, the audience widened fairly quickly, I'd imagine. Yes, that's right. Um, by being on, on the TV... Uh, by being on Jonathan Ross, I'm sure it reached many more people than than um, any other single we'd put out before mm. that. And also, EMI, who were our label back then, were really giving it, giving that track a, a big push. Um, 
at radio and, and in every way. And we had a bit of video that Nima Nourizade directed for us that I think was quite eye-catching and unusual. And, um, and uh, so all of that combined helped. But, but I think the track itself was the most kind of poppy thing we've made, really. It, it's an interesting one to me because I can't really hear that song and, and think that it sounds like a specific genre of music it sounds mm. like it's an unusual combination of, of elements put together and, and and i like it for that i think it's it's somehow the most pop single up to that point and yet it doesn't seem really obvious so um yeah it's quite pleasing to make a pop song that that feels unusual in some way and i'm not saying it's groundbreaking or anything but more that it just it doesn't sound like an exercise in in making a particular genre of music, whereas some some pop records you hear can just feel like you, you get you get it straight away. Oh yeah, okay, they they're going for a sort of seventies disco feel with that, or they're going for a an eighties this, or mm. you know, it just kind of feels quite straightforward. But that one, I felt like it had the unusual, um, the the kind of oddness of of some of the things like Timberland records that we liked without without trying to just program a beat that's just like Timberland or, or, or something like that, if that makes sense. Yeah, so completely. It was, own, yeah. it was its own thing, really. Yeah, and again, I think probably that you've, you've just, again, made your own rules there with it. Just th- this is how it's going to happen. You know, it's not to do to try and be this or try and be that. Obviously, a, there was a, new, a uniqueness you wanted to achieve, but you were just being yourselves, I guess. Yeah. Okay, and, well, uh, yeah, I, I please. think... With, with some of the some of the songs that are quite relatively successful in our catalogue, they often don't have to have a really explicit lyrical um, theme that everybody understands. Whereas, I think when writing pop music, especially if writing it for other for other people, it can seem like you're needing to make things as clear as possible and make the subject matter as clear as possible so that everybody, as many people as possible, can get can get it, can understand it. Whereas something like Over and Over and Ready for the Floor, there will be hooks in those songs. But I don't think everybody thinks, well, that's a song about this and I get it from, from the beginning to the end. And yet that doesn't matter. The, the hookiness in, the, in some of the phrasing are enough to get people sort of um, singing the song or liking the song. And mm. it's not cynically written to be about a subject matter that everybody can understand. So I, I quite like that, that you can you can discover that, that that happens in, in pop music or at least in what we do. And you don't have to just simplify everything or dumb things down. Yeah, I know. Well said. That's really, really interesting, actually, the way you put that out. Um, so, A Bath Full of Ecstasy, this was the track, uh, this was the album, sorry, well, and a track. Um, the album, uh, June last year, I think, wasn't it? This, this is your, obviously, recent That's right, work. yeah. A couple of singles. Uh, was it, am I right in thinking Melody of Love, Hungry Child, both singles? Yeah, Melody and, of Love, <clears throat> Hungry Child, Bell, and Bath Full of Ecstasy and Positive, they all came out in different different ways you know, in as much as singles exist anymore yeah, um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> some of them taken to radio and yeah. some of them just videos were put out and okay uh, yeah um well I, I really like this i'm going to hear a few of these but we'll play a bit of melody of love and let's talk about the process so again you know listening to these on nice headphones it's got a great stereo width it, it, it feels really nice you want to put a lot of love into this so um, i'm going to play this and then we'll come back to you mate okay thanks Yeah. 
mean, that's nice. Really nice. Thank you. So tell us about the approach for this record. I'm going to play a few more uh, tracks, but it, it's it's happy. It feels happy. Um, it, it's getting me, you know, I'm, I'm not dancing yet, but give me time. But um, <laughs> but that it does feel really nice. It's it's, uh, it's it's just fresh. As I say, I listened to this earlier. Um, it feels fresh to me. I really, really like the uh, the vibe of the whole record. Okay, thank you very much. So what was the um, kind of plan with this? Was it, again, there wasn't a plan. We just, you know, Hot Chip did what they do. Well, that song, um, it began as a very long instrumental track. The original version of it was something featuring that same sample you hear later on in the track. That was a bigger part of the, of the song. And it was, it was a kind of long, epic disco track. Um, and maybe it was even like 11 or 12 minutes long. And then we, we worked on it, um, trying to develop it into more of a song, but it didn't have the chorus that we know from it now, the melody of love section. It just had the verses really. And so we, we, that was the kind of stage two of working on the track. And we, we added live drums, um, and lots of live playing on it and made it more kind of live band sounding than, than the demo. Mm-hmm. Um, then we felt like it was exciting, but we still had this kind of very long track and we, we didn't really know exactly if it was, you know, finished or what it, what it needed to become. Mm. And then around that time, we started to work with a producer called Rod A. McDonald, um, who was the first producer for us to kind of work with in our, in our career, really. I mean, we had actually worked with somebody called Mark Ralph, who went on to become a very well-known pop producer. But at the time we were working with him on the albums before, he was really just, um, he was capable of being the producer, but we were still producing and he was engineering. So, so at this point, when we brought in Rod A. McDonald, this was the first time we'd invited somebody in and said, will you help produce our music? We want to have that, that kind of assistance with it, just to help us do something different and get out of our kind of comfort zone, I think. Yeah, really. and, and a guy, so, what an interest, and what a nice, humble thing to do as well, and I'm not trying to blow smoke. Literally, if you've been doing this, and this is what, album seven? Yeah. Then you know what you're doing. <laughs> you know how to produce, yeah. you know how to mix, you know how to write, and you know what a great pop song is and a great beat is. But that is a yeah. lovely thing to keep things fresh and to go to someone, I mean, obviously, Sampha, the XX, um, you know, is it Rodé? We say Rodé McDonald. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, brilliant. Oh, obviously, uh, brilliant, brilliant uh, producer and uh, creative. But what a nice approach to go in. And uh, was that a case of like wanting something just like you know, come on in and help help us make these tracks even better? Or was it just we needed yeah. new inspiration? Which, which, you know, bit of both. Yeah, it was, it, it was help us make them better or help them to be fully realised as well as they can be. Right. So, okay. Um, that was one of the first tracks that we played to him. And rather than hearing it as a long club track, he said, I think this could be a, a really good pop song and a really good single, but it, I would just edit it down. So it went from being 11 minutes to being a sort of four minute track mm. um, with his, with his help. And it now I mean, it, it wasn't just that he cut it down. We then we then wrote new sections and and added more and played more. And I I think it was the first track we worked on with him. And I felt like I was new to this experience of having somebody responding as I was writing the words and the hooks and things. And so if he didn't seem that into something, I would go away and write again and write again and write again. And um, I wanted it to. You know, I knew how to do it to just appeal to whatever I'm interested in. But I was sort of interested in the challenge of, well, if he is the producer and if he thinks this could be a pop song, let him guide that process. And when he got really excited about a certain um, idea, that seemed to be worth sticking with. And obviously we wanted to all be happy too, but we we did seem to, to be in agreement. So eventually, after quite a bit of work on that track, over a couple of days, it developed into the song that you know now. Um, 
and it felt yeah it felt like a, an optimistic quite epic sounding pop song that was a bit different from anything we'd released before and maybe a little bit more marrying together that emotional side that's in some of the ballads with the more upbeat up-tempo music that we produce rather than um, those two things being separate worlds. So sometimes in the past we would have had a slow, serious, emotional ballad and then we would have had a more upbeat track that uh, maybe doesn't feature such a melancholic mm. um, sentiment. Well, not, yeah, so it, yeah. It felt, it felt different to us. Um, I've actually got positive um lined up here as well. Now, I think you were quoted as saying that this is essentially about perceptions of homelessness, illness, the need for community. I suppose, yeah, maybe I'm I'm hoping not to bring everyone down here, but, you know, I actually love the track and there is levels of heartbreak in it. um, But, you know, for where we are at the moment, community is everything. And hopefully we're trying to keep that together via these airwaves or podcast waves. And, And I think this might be a nice one to have a little play of and then take us through that one as well, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Great, let's have a go at that. Again, some really great keys in there, and some nice, some nice uh, thought-provoking lyrics. Thank you. So, tell us about this. And I mean, I know that I just quoted you there on what you said, but I mean, you, you've still managed to. It, the sound of the song certainly isn't isn't sad, is it? It's got a lovely, um, it's got a lovely feel about it, and some some great, yeah. um, some lots going on in there. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to. Well, I didn't really didn't really want to do anything <laughs> I just started writing <laughs> about just started writing what, what what was on my mind um and and marrying it to the music that at that stage was was just a demo that Joe had sent me it hadn't developed into the full track we hear but um I kind of sang these this long series of lyrics over quite a long track of his and and there was room for it to be quite free flowing, so it took in all of those different um, sort of uh, twists and turns that the that the the lyrics take and the vocal line takes, because um, mm. there was space to do that. And I was just focusing on um, this subject of how quite kind of difficult thing to talk about, really, but how some people close to me had been challenged by um, problems that people go through to do with addiction mm. and illness. And yeah, it was really talking about the way that that's seen. So the way that that's seen by a partner of somebody or the way that that's seen by um, society at large and how things can can sort of spiral out of control quite quickly um, where people with addi- addiction problems can find themselves becoming homeless um, and it's not only about that it's it's also about a kind of um, relationship between people going through that kind of experience um, and the challenges that you face. So I was trying to imagine from the perspective of people who might be, so it might have started out with something, you know, close to me with people that I knew, but then I, then I began to just let it not really focus on that and be more about an imaginary 
situations, people living on the streets, right, and um, trying to, yeah, trying to understand their place in society and how they are often um, neglected, and and it's easier for people to not engage um, with a big problem um, of homelessness and it's easier for people to see it as as somebody else's problem Mm. Uh, it's kind of about all of these things but it's also not it's not only about homelessness it's just about relationships Mm. going wrong due to stress um, due due to any problem that could be there but that's some of the kind of detail of it and and uh, it's about yeah, just sort of. I suppose the crux of it is about what the word positive means, and what what it means if you're if you're staying staying positive. So that's what the chorus of the song that Joe sings sums up. It's a kind of a very upbeat and positive expression of love. And then there's another word, another meaning of that word positive, which is to to be sure. Are you positive? Are you certain about something? And so I was thinking about a kind of certainty about a decision being made that a relationship cannot carry on. And then the third meaning of the word positive is to test positive for something. And so that was talking about testing positive for HIV. Um, so it was about all of those things as, as, mm-hmm. as bleak as some of that is. Yeah. And, uh, and trying to, make sense of that sort of story and then what often happens in hot chip songs is if one person's writing about something that doesn't necessarily mean the other person is writing about that or that the other person even knows that that's the theme so we have this chorus that kind of overlaps with the end of the verses of mine the chorus is joe's words and the verses are mine and they they intertwine and so it's like right. two stories coming together and there's um, a bit of a push and pull between a very electro-pop, kind of nice, optimistic feel in the chorus and something a little bit more pondering of, of hard times in the verses. And somehow that that juxtaposition seems to work and make something more interesting than if it was just a sort of depressing folk ballad about about homelessness, HIV, and addiction to drugs. So uh, it it was never never written as that. It was just me writing to go with that music that I was hearing. If anything, Um, that just underlines exactly how, you know, whether it's subliminal or not, it shows how musically you guys are connected. Yeah, I think so. And and leave space for each other, Mm. all of us, to to do what, what we find creatively satisfying and make that work together. And I think that's quite an important part of, of Hot Chip is to, to leave space for another person's expression of what they're trying to, to communicate. That's really nice. Um, and, and on, a, on a, a, a maybe, well, certainly from the description that I think are your words as well, I'm just reading here, um, of Bath Full of Ecstasy. I'm actually going to read this out in full. Um, it says here, Bath Full of Ecstasy is a side-scrolling platform game in which the player takes control of one of the five band members on a quest to save the kingdom. Love that. A curse has ravaged <laughs> the kingdom. We can relate to that. And eradicated all joy from the land. <laughs> and the, um, we can add world to that. And the townsfolk yeah. and villagers can no longer see colours or hear music. Music. With the help of the bubble bath fairy, who else? A magical microphone and some friendly strangers along the way, the band must embark on a quest through five exciting worlds on a mission to find the secret source, that's S O U R C E, that will break the curse. Okay, now where do we begin there? Should we hear it first? <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> okay.
That's probably my favourite on the album, actually. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I really like that one, too. There's kind of... Um, um, before you <laughs> explain that excellent description that you were quoted on, um, the uh, what I've, I almost found there, uh, I was, it was almost as if there were two different parts playing over each other that should clash, but didn't. I don't know if there's... Yeah. Is there, is, am I right there? Which, what are you hearing? I'm hearing keys. I, mean, I thought I was hearing something like a... I don't know if it was a Whirly. I thought it was a Rhodes, first of all, but it's a bit more electro. Yeah, it's a Whirly, yeah. It is a Whirly, right, okay. Yeah. And then I'm hearing some other things. I'm thinking, does that chord even go? But it does. It's like discordy in there, somehow. Oh, With I this kind of mean, poppy yeah. loveliness on the left and right, and these great, you know, apart from... And, of course, the bubble sounds. Who could not love them? But then you've got... You've got that kind of... There's really interesting craftsmanship in that, in that, in that track that I heard straight away there. Yeah, um, I think there is a there is a bit where the, the chord change to a kind of I don't know it's not discordant chord but to a um, trying to think what the right word is a it might be a part of a diminished. There you go. That's what it is. Yeah. It wasn't discord. It was a diminished in there. That's right. Yeah, really yeah, nice. And, and maybe possibly some of the melodic stuff on top doesn't completely follow with with that. Which is what's great about it. Like that. That's what I think's great about that. Um, I loved it. Yeah. But also, we were trying to make the verses sound distinct from the choruses. So the verses have this quite easygoing, almost Fleetwood Mac sort of drum drum sound and yep. bass sound, yep. which is quite seventies slick sounding. And then we go into the choruses, and they go kind of more hip hop R and B in production with sub bass and and programmed. 808 drums or, or things of, of that ilk and we were and, and with the, the vocals suddenly having the, the kind of pitch shifting on them um, so we were trying to jump back and forth between different sound worlds from verses to choruses and see, see how see how that works so it sounds like a sort of a distinct um, change in, in sounds yeah, um, yeah. in terms of that description yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah I'm waiting for this yeah that that was written by um, Oliver Payne, who made the video. Okay, song. right. Okay, and he was describing the the computer game that doesn't really exist <laughs> that he had invented as the subject matter of the video. So his video works on the premise that there is a hot chip series of Japanese video games and Hot Chip isn't a band in his video it's just, it's just a get it's a series of video games and Basketball of Ecstasy is one of the games right okay and so he then has a YouTube style review and presentation of that game um, for, for the duration of the video so okay, you then I've got to see, check this out right okay <laughs> you see you see you see excerpts from the game which didn't really exist, but he invented for the video. And it's really beautifully put together. I bet, I bet. Um, and, and then that was just his description of what the game is about. And when I read it, I thought, well, I'll just use that from now on as the description of what the song is about. And I just like the fact that it, it isn't what I wrote the song to be about, but, but it sort of sums up the mood of the song because he heard the song, liked the song, so much and made a whole, you know, invented a computer game to go with it. It just seems like it, it actually comes at it from a different angle, but covers a lot of the the um, the mood of the music. And it just seemed like a nice way for me to never have to answer interview questions about what the song is about if I just use that as, <laughs> as the as the very I like nicely it. written answer. No, so, I, I can I can I do yeah. get the kind of vibe. I can almost imagine Mario Kart going along just playing that with that in the background. It kind of would work. <laughs> So that's excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, what? Yeah. Go check, please, please. Check out the video. I think I think you'll like it. I'm definitely going to do that. Um, definitely. So it, videos are quite a theme. I mean, they have been since you started off, really, haven't they? Like in that track we talked about earlier. Video was a big part of that, and that goes back what ten, twelve years. Uh, the the original, yeah. the first one we played. Um, 
always been part of your of, of the creative process for you guys, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Um, we don't always know how to put into visual terms what we're doing with songs, but we but we do like to have good videos, and we and we like to work with directors to get the humour in what we're doing, or get the get the emotional side of what we're doing, and, and can put that across, even if it's taking in taking it in a very new direction. Mm. So um, we worked with. We worked with Nima Nurizad today on the videos for Playboy, Over and Over, Colours, Ready for the Floor, and more recently Melody of Love. Yeah. So that's that's a strong relationship we've had for years with the same director, um, and that's been fun to explore different things with him. He knows us well because he's he's worked with us right from, as I say, from Playboy, which was our second ever single. So. Um, from from the beginning of our career, he's known us and, and he's seen, seen us as we've got a bit bigger as a band and, and he's helped us with that, with the videos he's made. Um, it's been very easy for us to collaborate with him, to talk to him directly and to just keep keep going with ideas and um, writing back and forth and chatting and so on. So we've been very involved in the creative process of the videos with him um, and we would share, I remember back then, when we were doing over and over, we would share things with him that were inspiration. So I lent him this compilation of Devo videos, mm. um, which he, he watched. And then you could really see the influence from that in the over and over video. Um, and then on the, on the ready for the floor video, I talked about how the, the video for bat dance by Prince was one of my favorite videos and then he, he took some inspiration from that with some of the dancing characters in it and the way that I was painted and dressed in the video so there were lots of allusions to other things in pop pop music culture that, that we liked um, would be uh, helped by the video director um, in terms of working with Nima um, and then with other people we, we had a series of videos where we worked with Peter Serafinovich, who did um, I Feel Better, uh, Night and Day, and Don't Deny Your Heart. He did all the videos for those. Yeah. And he's a, a comedian and actor and, and comic writer um, who is very, very, has a brilliant mind and, and had hundreds of good ideas for music videos for us. So he was a really good person to collaborate with, too. And, and we kept that relationship going for a few videos and, and really enjoyed that. And, and then more recently, we had um, Oliver Payne, who I was just talking about, do the Bastel of XC video and Simon Owens do the Spell video. And um, and we we worked with new people. So for Hungry Child, it was uh, a director that we hadn't worked with before and and who who kind of made something that was in conjunction with ideas of Joe's about the subject matter of the video, right. but also developing it and taking it somewhere else. And um, so, yeah, we've, we've, we've always enjoyed the process. Um, well, I say that we've enjoyed it up to a point. We've enjoyed it when it's worked out well, but also, also I think all of us admit that sometimes videos are quite hard work to, to get across something that, ties in with the music yeah i can imagine that even more pressure putting a visual together is what you're saying yeah if you have too strong an idea about what it Mm. relates to lyrically or thematically it can be then hard to let it to see it become uh a video that that has a completely different storyline and doesn't you don't you don't always feel like they chime tonally well with the with the the music but it's hard to know how to get that to work sometimes yeah. So it's a cha- it can be a challenge, but it's 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 a fun challenge. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, finally, I'm just going to ask you here. I was going to ask you um, what's on your playlist, and I realise you've created one. <laughs> you created one for Flare Audio, didn't you? You go from Aphex Twin to Niels Fram to Mark Hollis to Bjork. It's really eclectic, and I guess that's part of what you're about, isn't it? Yes, I, I think so. Um, I've embraced what we call eclecticism. Mm. A lot, really. I haven't. I haven't 
found it jarring for me to make music, which is quite eclectic, or to listen to Sun Ra next to Crystal Gale or something. But I, I don't mean I literally put them on one after the other. No, no. Um, I, I just mean that my tastes are quite broad and accepting of lots of different things. And, um, but actually, that playlist I put together, I, I thought of it as more unified in, in mood actually. And I was a bit concerned when I sent it to, to Naomi at Flair Audio that it might be too much of a downer. But it's, um, you know, I was, I was asked to, to put something together for this sort of time that we're going through, and, and that's quite, um, I think that's quite good music to get immer- immersed in for a period of time where we're maybe in in kind of solitude or have a lot of time for, for thoughts and reflection and yeah so the the long pieces like the Gavin Bryars one yeah. uh, uh, it's a kind of masterpiece of minimalism and it's a very sad fragile sort of song um, and then the, the yeah the the Bjork piece I think is very beautiful um and tonally rich and it features Will Oldham who's a favourite singer of mine mm. as the kind of guest vocalist on it and, and that that fits well with, with some of the other things I've put in there. I think I put Chet Baker, my yeah, ideal. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Um so yeah, I hope it all hangs together as as a something of a mood for people to enjoy yeah well here's a little taste of it that the opening track which is by a, a, a well i just think an unbelievable composer nils from um we've spoken to oliver arnold's on uh in headliner before incredible incredible guy and um this guy's right out of that drawer as well so we can play a little bit of this and then um and then i'll be right back to you certainly reflective and i think uh although yeah. it is melancholy it's a, it is the kind of thing you i would put on my headphones and walk around on one of my allocated walks um obviously no longer than an hour alexis um, exactly precisely an hour <laughs> um and and yeah um it, 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 that's lovely you know we, we get we get reflective at these times and and i think that's a nice that's a nice mix of um of tracks uh, and I guess your relationship with those guys um, uh, do you I think I'm right in thinking you, you use their kit do you, have you got their headphones that's right yes at I least have. the pros I've got, yeah I've, well I've, I've got um, different sets so mm. uh, I've got some of the the um, some of the earplugs for on stage use and then I've got some of their um, headphones as well and I've tried to, I don't always remember the names of them, it's a bit embarrassing, but I've tried the, the very sort of top top ones that they did. Yeah. Um, and those were fantastic. I but think they're the pros also, or they went pro too. I, yeah. I, I, I can't remember exactly, but they're, they're the top end ones. Yeah. 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 And that, those, those are brilliant. And I've also got some of the the um, sort of mid-range ones, which sound fantastic too. I, I mean, they, they sound really, really good and they are nicely... Um, kind of allowing quite a lot of bass to come through. They're not; they don't seem to be a, a totally flat um, headphone that's trying to be neutral. Um, so that they, they've got a lot of bass, and they're just hard to hard to go back to anything else once you've heard them. For, for my experience, anyway, once I've heard music on those, I think Dave is there, um, who obviously founded the company, a, a real audio file with with the, with the technology now to back it up. 
um, really interesting stuff. It's the two HDs, I think, the Pro 2 HDs. I just had to check that, and yeah. I think that's right. And the ones you're talking about um, for on stage, that's interesting because people should look after their ears more. And I think it's raising awareness of that is a good thing for things like tinnitus. You know, we saw that in the in the industry. Yeah. Um, causing all sorts of problems yeah. that people didn't know about, uh, you know, years ago, or certainly finding out about it now with these ringing in the ears that you've gone and see the who at Charlton 10 times yeah. effectively, you know, so, um, definitely worthwhile. Um, with all of this stuff going on, you still have time to put solo music out. You, you create for yourself as well, don't you? That's right. Yeah. Um, I've released five solo records and I'm working on a new one at the moment. Um, that's been occupying quite a lot of my time writing and recording for that. Right. Okay. So ha- having a bit of time at home has been helpful for me to work on mixes and and there's one track in particular that I keep keep returning to. That's there's a new one that I'm very excited about. Um. So yeah, it's I'm continuing to explore a kind of slightly um, softer side. Than, than what you hear in most of Hot Chip. This this newest stuff I'm working on is it's not a million miles away from the mood of, of that playlist and from the from my uh, piano album I put out a few years ago. Yeah. Um, but it, I think it will take a, take on a, a different direction as I develop it. But but um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting you talking about flare audio and ear protection and tinnitus because. Um, one of the songs actually is kind of explicitly about, well, I don't know if it's explicit to the listener. <laughs> it may not be obvious, but it's okay. partly <laughs> about, it's partly about coping with, it's, yeah, I mean, I don't want to, there's no point going on about it. Now is, that in the new, is that in the new track? But, in the new, in yeah, the new record, right, I'm, yeah. Yeah, because I've got, I've got tinnitus now, and um, so I was, I was taking as a subject the idea that, that you'd, can't really experience silence anymore once you have that. So you live with you live with something that's constantly there. And so it's not a song complaining about the noise and focusing on the tinnitus itself, but it's about it's sort of ruminating on, on the idea of silence and what, what what that really is and how near to silence we we can ever get. I never thought about it like that. You wouldn't experience silence again. That's so true, isn't it? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, wow. wow. <laughs> Once uh, you've got a permanent ringing in one ear, there, well, there, isn't yeah, really a, yeah. there isn't really such a thing as a sort of completely quiet, silent moment. But, but yeah, anyway. Okay. Well, look, I've got, I have actually got piano up here. Let, let me play one of these quickly before we, uh, before we say goodbye to you, but, and I'll come right back to you. But um, uh, I'm going to play a bit of Lonely Vagabond. Quite, I like. I can understand why you like Nils Fram and that kind of stuff. It's very relaxing, intimate, kind of melodic, quite melancholic music. It's, it's, but yeah. the kind of stuff that I would put on, you know, that would, it's moody, isn't it? I like. We need that. I, I need that certainly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was funny. I heard the Nils Fram album after I'd released that piano album. When oh, really? I heard it, I thought this is a real. This is a real kind of um, genre. Sort of. What's the word? Just, just somebody who I had something in common with, who I hadn't right, heard right. music before. I yeah. just walked into a record shop, Rough Trade, and they were playing it, and I had to ask what it was. And um, yeah, so it was nice to discover a whole album of music that was 
I mean, his is instrumental, but the but the mood of it isn't a million miles away from that piano album of mine. Yeah, really, really nice. I have to, I, I must listen to that. That is my kind of thing. So I will, when I go for my walk, I will put that on and um, and I'll be away. Um, all, all sorts of emotions, I'd imagine. Okay. <laughs> but um, listen, I, I, yeah. I will. I will now let you go. You've been so kind to give us so much time. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, Alexis. Um, this new music you're making that essentially now in isolation there's going to be some of that some of that album is going to come from this i guess so we can look at that positively at least yes that's right yeah yeah good stuff um i've i've i started it before the isolation period began but i'm certainly working on it during during this time um so yeah it will definitely be influenced by that by the time it is finished Fantastic. Well, I, look, I genuinely look forward to listening to that. So, um, listen, um, stay safe, um, enjoy those walks, um, and you know, keep creative. And thank you so much for offering so much of your time uh, to us. Okay, my pleasure. All right, mate. I hope to meet you sometime All right, soon. Thank you. All the best, Alexis. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.